Hello everybody, welcome to the sixth episode of She at Work. Today we're going to speak to my friend Julia Paranios. Welcome Julia. Hi Beta, thank you for having me. So Julia, it's nice to talk to you after uh, 10 years since, uh, since we last met. Uh, we've been knowing each other for 13 years when we were both uh, graduate students at the University of Sussex. And well, we've been in touch through social media for 10 years, but we really didn't have a chance, really hadn't had a chance to like, uh, have an extensive uh, talk to each other. So it was a, it was a real ple- pleasure to, to prepare this talk. Um, so what's up with you? Uh, what have you become since we last met? Well, uh, I become a professor at the Federal University of Rio de Janeiro. I've been working there for 10 years now. Wow, so if I'm not mistaken, I, that's exactly uh, what you wanted to do uh, 13 years ago. I have a very clear memory of you telling me that you wanted to become a professor in that university. Is that so? Yes, that's true. Well, that, that's remarkable because uh, I, yeah, I've never had uh, such clear ideas in my life and uh, congratulations on achieving your goal. So, um, that's what you wanted to do. Uh, was that a wise choice? Do you like what you do? Yes, I do. It was actually what I... It was not easy to, to decide to do that, to, get, to choose this. But once I did, um, uh, I achieved. And yes, now I, I can say I'm, I'm quite happy to, to do what I do. Uh, how did you choose what you do and uh, why do you like it? Well, I chose actually during my master's when I finished on the grad course. Uh, I was about to finish actually and then I met a professor uh, that had taught me two courses during the undergrad course and she stimulated me very much to to take the master exam during my undergrad course i didn't had any uh, sort of uh, experience with research or teaching and sorry uh, remind us what, what was your undergraduate course about oh okay in economics okay. and uh, i was very shy i was very insecure but then I took my, the master exam, I went to, to, to study my master's in economics as well in the south of Brazil, in Florianópolis. And uh, there I had the experience with research and teaching and I was, it was a smaller department, so it was easier for me as a shy person to, to take the chance to have these experiences. So, uh, and it was very helpful because I had the, I found out that it was something that I actually enjoyed a lot doing it. So I decided to take the PhD and then to, uh, to take the PhD at the Federal University of Rio. So I did the exam to come back to Rio. And then after that, I took the test to, to become a professor. We also have an exam, so kind of a, a public. That's uh, uh, that's interesting that you're mentioning that you were uh, shy and that moving into a smaller environment uh, kind of made it easy for you to uh, confront this this aspect, which which is important if you want to give lectures. And I I say so because I think by the time I met you, you were already back in Rio, and I would have never said uh, you would define yourself as shy. I, I have this image of you being an extremely social person, extremely open. Um, so I, I yeah, I, I'm surprised you said that. But, but it's interesting uh, to see how you know the institutions you were in uh, helped you in 
yeah, in getting to know yourself and interacting with the profession of teaching. Yes, uh, these situations helped, and also I, I think I'm I'm shy uh, and kind of I think it's shy and insecure combined because I was. Uh, I thought I didn't know economics enough to teach or to work in the research. And so it's a kind of a combination of both. And I've been always very social, that's true. But uh, when you have to uh, be in, a, in the front of the room and teach everybody, so it's quite you know, insecure to do that. Yeah, so it's, it was, uh, it was it's, both of it. It things. sounds like uh, imposter syndrome which is something yeah. that comes up <laughs> quite often in this uh, in this podcast that's well that we, maybe we'll have a chance to talk about it uh, later um i also like the the fact that uh, it was uh, your professor that you know a, pro- a professor that then became your supervisor that encouraged you to pursue that um now you are a professor like how do you um how do you know a student has that potential the the potential that your supervisor could see in you when you were very young. Yeah, uh, yeah, she, she had a, a very important role during my career. First uh, days, then when I went to the South, she said, okay, go there, study there, have this experience and then come back to Rio. This was also very uh, supportive at the time. And then she was my supervisor during the PhD and then I, uh, she gave me a lot of opportunities to learn and to actually became more less shy than I was because I had a lot of experience in, in presenting things so it helped and uh, now uh, I, I, I think uh, there there's much more I think there are a lot of things about personality when you work in academia uh, you have the these Uh, personality of liking uh, to to study, to take the time to re- to question things, to uh, uh, think about things, and to to question yourself and to question what you're doing. So I think these are kind of qualities and characteristics actually that I found out in the students when you see that the student can. Uh, also read things, study all the, the things that we, we do during the, the graduate course and then to summarize and to, to apply this in their work and uh, I don't know, the writing, the, the ability to, to make questions, to make uh, interesting questions and to, to deep, <laughs> to go deep, to dig deep and uh, to, to find the, re- the answers. And I think these are kind of, these kind of characteristics that you can, you see some <laughs> lights that this, that person would have an interesting researcher career. Um, um, what type of research uh, do you do? I, I, am, I agree with you, like, to, my, to the extent that I've worked uh, in academia and so on, I think this is, uh, this is, really, this is really important. You have to have a, a drive to understand things more. Uh, but what, what is it that you do? What do you apply your drive to? Yeah, uh, in the area of economics, I work in the innovation economics, which is already very applied. 
but then I applied my research in the pharmaceutical sector. So it's very uh, uh, sectorial uh, studies, but the pharmaceutical sector is very um, interdisciplinary because it deals with uh, inter uh, intellectual property right, with regulations, with company <laughs> strategies, and with health the health sector and uh, uh, many, many things that I'm always uh, working with, with people from different backgrounds. So it's kind of a applied research and interdisciplinary research. That's very interesting because I think sometimes, uh, well, I have these feelings, I still sometimes go to uh, conferences and uh, I am somewhat in touch with the academic literature and I find that sometimes um, the, the profession of being in academia puts a, a pressure on publishing and uh, it gets a bit it gets a bit out of reality too theoretical, too far away too far, it feels too far away sometimes from someone that is not in the, in the process but it looks like that that's not what you do uh, how do no. you make sure that what you do is relevant. Yes, uh, it's it's actually not easy to publish in an interdisciplinary and so <laughs> very applied uh, field of study and research. It's not so easy to, to publish, at least when you consider the economics uh, indicators. Uh, but in another uh, on the other hand, it's is uh, it's more. Uh, considered in the interdisciplinary post-graduation program that I also take part. Um, what I what I do is to <laughs> to try to work with things that I, I think would be interesting for for the development of uh, Brazil in a in a <laughs> at the end. Because uh, when we talk about the pharmaceutical sector, we are talking about the ability of uh, having products to the health system. So I've been working with uh, NGOs from uh, the civil society that work in the health uh, area and uh, I'm trying to, to make my research uh, each day more applied and with uh, results that uh, can be used for those NGOs or for public institutions to, to make the, the health system better and with less vulnerabilities and to, to support it in a better way. So I think it's very related to the social development as well and not only economics, economical development. So, so for instance, uh, can you give us an example of what's, what would be uh, a research project, who would you, what methodologies you would apply, who would you talk to? And then another thing, uh, health systems and pharmaceutical sectors are uh, very important these days. We are in the middle of the pandemic, uh, many people in the world are locked down, and uh, our head always, I mean, our worry is will we have treatments, will we have a vaccine, when will this end? We forget that there are also other contributions that science can make to this debate. So, from your perspective, uh, what uh, what have you learned about health systems and the pharmaceutical sector that, uh, as a social scientist, uh, as an innovation economist, uh, can help the debate today? 
Okay. Well, the the project I've been coordinating for more than a year now, I think a year and a half. Uh, this is actually the project where I interact with these NGOs. It's a study the public uh, industrial and science and technology and innovation policies that were <clears throat> uh, applied in Brazil from 2003 to 2016. And there we have uh, these policies and the pharmaceutical sector and the, the health industrial complex were one of the strategic sectors that were uh, these uh, policies uh, were meant to, to enhance. And the results, uh, what we've learned, we've studied, the, the documents of the policies, the instruments, the, I had two studies case, study cases with uh, important instruments, financial instruments for companies, and we interviewed the institutions uh, that, uh, uh, that their instruments were from, and the results actually that are very related to your second question is that we need these uh, policies. They are very important to support the development, development of a national pharmaceutical industry. We have to, to, to focus on local development, on local production. So we'll be able to support our health system in a period like this because we always use as example uh, oh if you have a war we may not have all the supplies we need but now it's not a war but it's kind of right so we have problems in logistics in transport and also in production we are very technological dependent and we we cannot uh, afford all the supply for the health system because we don't produce this and we have we need imports so this is actually kind of things that i'm working a lot these days and discussing a lot these days to uh, enhance the importance of these industrial and science and technology and innovation policies um, to the pharmaceutical sector and also other sectors that are, uh, also produce supplies to the health system and I want to remember you that in Brazil we have a public health system uh, that it's and it's 200 million inhabitants it's a quite large country so to make it to make this health system less vulnerable we have to think about and have the industry as a uh, important actor right the companies and the industries as an important actor of this uh, health system as well so when you when you think of um, capacities production capacities and so on you think of brazil as a whole or you're looking at the state level brazil as a whole actually uh, our production is quite con concentrated yet in sao paulo and rio the largest cities uh, but i'm studying the brazil as a whole yeah what I, what I find uh, very interesting is that uh, this pandemic has really exposed uh, our vulnerabilities in this sense to a very extreme level because we're not even thinking about very complex pharmaceutical supplies. I mean, we're thinking about uh, masks as well. Uh, that to me was a big surprise that like in, in Spain, for instance, that uh, for, for six weeks, 
you could not find masks in the pharmacies and that and also you were discouraged to buy them because the doctors didn't have it so you would feel very guilty like why why should i protect myself that i can stay at home when the doctors don't have equipment uh, what is uh, what was your reflection when you saw this happening around the world yeah it uh, it happened here as well exactly <laughs> the same thing uh, but when you think about these less complex products as uh, as masks we what we are doing now we are producing uh, home masks right that for people that are not in the front you're not in the hospitals and everything are fine you can you are safer using uh, uh, made of different fabrics that will okay make you more secure and then you do the you leave the specialized one for health professionals but when you talk about uh, medicines you're yeah, talking exactly. about things it, it's you cannot do it <laughs> you know at home and sometimes you cannot even if you have local production you cannot do it if you don't have patent if you're not allowed to it because then you have also things related to intellectual property rights you know it's much more co complex right so and uh, there is a uh, the the pharmaceutical sector is very global the uh, many countries have uh, import uh, their uh, ipi it's the what you made what medicines are made uh, but when in countries that you have uh, higher technological development if they can't uh, import they have the ability to produce this uh, but we don't we have very few companies that would be able to do that we have we don't have the local uh, cap uh, capacity to even uh, start producing it even if it was uh, allowed it right or if it doesn't have an intellectual property right uh, so the our sector is much much more uh, uh, vulnerable or less uh, more dependent than others in developed countries that have strong uh, pharmaceutical sectors so this is something that we have to, to think about the whole chain you know the whole uh, and when, one, when one thinks about um, innovation pharmaceutical sector patents uh, NGOs are not usually mentioned. Uh, one thinks of startups, universities, firms. What is the role of NGOs? Why are you talking to them within this context? Because I think it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, the NGOs I work with, uh, they're not they, they're not very related to the uh, universities and uh, development of new products. Uh, they are, one of them works uh, dealing with intellectual property rights of uh, AIDS and HIV and AIDS uh, drugs. And the other one is, works with journalism and they are producing a piece of news about the, the pharmaceutical and health sector in Brazil. Uh, the other one works with uh, consumer, consumer rights so it's working and looking for uh, actions on to protect consumers on the, the access to medicines 
and the fourth one works uh, uh, work with uh, data on the Minister of Health uh, budget on innovation and the Minister of Health as well. So it it uh, makes studies on this budget. So it's very interesting. I studied the you asked about the industry university interaction and startups. Uh, I've been studying this during my PhD. It was actually the the main theme of my PhD and the development of startups. I'm actually supervising a, a, a master dissertation now about this. Uh, it's very incipient in Brazil. You have some connections, some interactions, even the pharmaceutical sector that you would expect it to be higher. Uh, but it's as companies invest, do not invest so much in innovation, uh, and also uh, universities and administrative uh, area, it's quite slow. So the, there are a lot of obstacles in these interactions and very few startups in, in this area as well. Which, uh, which, I, which I think makes the role of NGOs even more important because uh, as organizations, they're normally yeah, more aware of societal problems and so on. And maybe they are, uh, they are capable of uh, helping articulate the demand and the importance for all these other activities that need to be uh, put forward. And I, I say that like, with some degree of um, awareness um, of how how important and how absent the role of NGOs is in this uh, in this field. When I was working at the European Commission, we were trying to mobilize actors in order to stimulate innovations, and uh, and and NGOs were very were very difficult to uh, to engage, and also uh, all the other actors weren't sure about the role they had in this innovation process and I, I think what I, I like very much that uh, your work actually gives relevance to the to these different uh, organizations because really organization innovation it's a very complex process and it goes uh, throughout society so uh, well done I like that <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, going back to your uh, job a lot about a lot of it is about research but that's not on the only part of the job. What else do you do? And also, what do you like best? Teaching, research, administration, etc. <laughs> yes, exactly. Then, actually, uh, it's something that I liked. That it's very diverse, right? <laughs> so, even though, uh, okay, teaching sometimes, okay, you teach the same course one semester and the other, but the students change. You do the research, you have the, I like that in academia, you have a lot of liberty to uh, decide where you want to, to follow, which line, which research, what, do, what object you want to, to, uh, to do the research about. So I like this. And the administrative work is quite uh, challenging, but also uh, I had a recent opportunity to be uh, the undergraduation direction in my department, uh, director, and it was quite an interest. It was very hard, very uh, difficult to some. It was very challenging, but it was actually a, a time of learning. 
I learned uh, a lot actually about the university, about the interaction with professors and administrative uh, parts. And now also uh, from recent years, we have extension activities and this uh, interaction with NGOs uh, are helping me a lot in these inter uh, extension activities, that is to bring our knowledge from the academia to the society. So actually, uh, I'm learning uh, with them. I'm learning how to make questions that are interesting for society uh, and how to talk about it. So all the experiencing uh, giving interviews or uh, debates in you know, other uh, institutions that are not uh, conference, academic conferences, are actually uh, not only making my research uh, more interesting for me and to, to make these results uh, better and also uh, and how to communicate this uh, is very important so yeah the, the interaction with them are actually uh, helping me a lot in, in doing that and do you find that uh, uh, you being a very applied researcher makes it easier for you to interact with uh, other actors as compared to a colleague that maybe focuses more on uh, theoretical research? Well, I think yes, and uh, I don't know uh, what comes before because I get, uh, my uh, in interdisciplinary and applied research uh, depend on interacting with people from different backgrounds and different areas and uh, it makes it uh, applied in a disciplinary yeah. itself, <laughs> right? And then, uh, yes, I think totally, yeah. Um, yes, I've, been, I've, uh, I've worked a bit also uh, with uh, universities and their third uh, mission. And I, found, I find it's a, very, it's a fascinating area, but I, what I especially found is that uh, it, was, uh, it was often very hard to find the right person. Because I think a lot of it is about the individual researcher and what he does, more than actually the ability of a university to interact with, uh, with society. I, 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 think it's, I think some approaches to research are very difficult to, to transmit. And I especially, um, I, I feel strongly for social scientists and social sciences because I think there is such a huge contribution to be made to society. But, uh, it's, it, but which is so far, uh, which is so far unexplored. And I think it's people like you that are kind of pioneering these areas and finding ways and finding ways to do it. So well done on that too. <laughs> well done, Julia. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, I, I think what uh, coming from uh, economics background, what I try to do is to use the point of view of an economics, our kind of way of Seeing, see things, seeing things uh, and applying it. So a lot of time, uh, many times I go to discussions or meetings uh, and I'm the only economics, uh, economic, economist, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm the only economist, but uh, I bring something to the table that's a different point of view, right? So I think in, coming from economics, it's very uh, useful to doing that, uh, to do that because 
Uh, and you, you can apply this for many different sectors and areas. As you said, the social <laughs> economics can be very uh, useful. And uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, and it's something that uh, I found out that I was, uh, I liked it and I, I kind of was able to do it. <laughs> so it's, yeah. And that leads me to another question. Uh, during my, my work, what, what I found is that part of the reason why these outreach activities are, are difficult is that well they depend a lot on the on the individual and its ability to uh, to engage and to you know find a way uh, to reach out but also that they're not always compatible with the career incentives so you're a professor you're a full professor you're tenured uh, you can do that but for a young uh, researcher you pay uh, at least in europe you pay a price if you spend your time doing something that is not publishing how do you feel about that? I, I think what I, in fact, I've even like uh, advocated for the creation of uh, hybrid careers. Um, but uh, I, I would say here in Europe, uh, this is a this is a problem. It's not a problem like in engineering, and I think even in the in medical research, because there the contact with society it's it's very it's very immediate. But for social scientists, um, which I would say is the ones I, I know best, being one. Uh, I, I think it's a big problem. I think it's a big problem. What do you think about that? Yeah, uh, first I'll say that um, I have a tenure in my career, but uh, I do need to publish because uh, I have to increase in the career. And to do that, I also have to publish and also to be part of the post-graduation program. Uh, I need some points with publication, right? And it's much more difficult for me to do that in the economics uh, graduate program than in the interdisciplinary that uh, I work in both, right? So that's actually exactly uh, the, your point. Uh, well, I think uh, each day the, the needs of society are something that becomes more and more relevant for researchers. So I think even if you are a younger researcher and it can be harder to, to deal with these things about career and publication <laughs> in academia, uh, to, to get into academia, uh, I don't think taking out the the applied or what you can use of your knowledge to to bring back to society should be left uh, on the side so it is a challenge but i think uh each, if each day we will uh, i i may agree with you to bring a, a hybrid career career or to at least uh, i'll say the economics area to be broader right i think maybe this is the problem it's too too concentrated and too related to models and everything but it's much uh, bigger and, and broader than that mm -hmm. it, it needs to work it's a social society oh science i'm sorry <laughs> it's a social science right yeah <laughs> so you, you should uh work in applied things to for either industrial sectors or social demands or you know it, it, 
it has actually I, th I think maybe the area has to evolve and we should uh, uh, take part in this fight to, to yeah. make it evolve yeah in fact I, I would say like um, at Spru which is where we met which is this department at the University of Sussex um, there were many economists that uh, actually ended up looking for something else to do because okay doing models doing econometrics doing quant quantitative analysis it's actually interesting it's very good it, it's useful but we also wanted to do something else and i think we all converged there so uh, i think we're preaching to the converter you and i we we have a we have a history of that <laughs> exactly and in my department at the university has this even though it's a economics institute it's quite uh, broad as well it's not so uh, it's actually not at all <laughs> focused on mainstream economics it's very plural in this in this sense but we have to in the post graduate uh, in the graduate uh, program we have to follow the national uh, institution you know and the committee that deals with the points of publications and everything then it's the the journals that will make, gave you higher points are you now the ones that are uh, more uh, econometric uh, studies and this kind of uh, work yeah, well we'll uh, we'll keep working at it we'll make sure that uh, society realizes how important this other, <laughs> this other thing what we do is Okay, I think, Julia, we are coming to the end of our half hour. Uh, so, I first of all, I'd like to thank you very much for your time. It's been, uh, it's been a pleasure to speak to you. I hope uh, next time it's before 10 years. So, I want to speak to you before 2030. <laughs> Let's keep it clear. And then uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to finish this, um, this podcast with the three take-home messages for me. Uh, obviously, like, we... I mean, we haven't been in touch lately, but there are a lot of parallels in our way of thinking. So uh, first thing is applied research is awesome. It's really nice to do case studies, to go and speak to people, and it really gives you a very good understanding of whatever you're, you're focusing in. I'm a great fan uh, of, uh, of um, qualitative research. Uh, it's a very fulfilling process, I think, and I'm, you know, I'm glad I'm not alone, and I'm glad I could uh, share the <laughs> discussion with you. Um, Another aspect that I guess uh, we uh, we didn't cover so much, uh, we covered it at the beginning, is uh, the importance of mentoring and the importance of finding someone that guides you. So you ended up doing a job you love, even though uh, you didn't get there entirely by yourself, you needed someone to give you a kick and say, actually, that's, uh, that's good for you. You should uh, keep it a, a try. And, and I guess it's very important for um, for you now as a teacher because uh, you've been the other side and i guess i well i imagine if i was a a, a teacher i would uh, you know i would remember this moment in which uh, in which you know someone helped you uh, and guided you so much and uh, and then i i i liked uh, your description of the academic job because i think it's important one of the things i want to do with this podcast if someone listens is uh, actually to share what uh, what a career is like and um, i guess there are some uh, stereotypes of uh, academic life which might be you know isolated ivory tower and this and that and the other but actually is very diverse and i also like your take on the administrative part because most people hate it but you're like well actually you learn from it so um, yeah these are my three three take-home messages I don't want I don't know if you want to add something 
No, I, I love the, the sum up that you made. Uh, I do agree with all of them. And uh, I think what I could say about mentoring, that is uh, just add a little bit there because this is something that I really love doing it, to, to supervise you know, the students, to interact with them, to make them uh, more confident in their work, more confident in what they can achieve. So it's been a very important part of my work uh, to, to work with them, to be very present during the work, to exchange a lot of knowledge and to exchange a lot of experience with them. So this is actually something that I, uh, I love doing. Yeah. But, and having been a PhD student and having had a mentor, I can only agree. I think uh, they are blessed uh, to have yeah. you. <laughs> um, it's, it's very important to have a good guide during the doctoral studies. All right, Julia, uh, uh, thank you very much. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, Beta, thank you. I loved doing this with you. It was very good talking to you again. When I was at SPRU, I decided to create a Facebook account to uh, keep in contact with everybody. I didn't like social network, but I'm glad, very glad I did that at that time. Because, yeah, at least we, we kept in touch and it was possible now to, to talk to you again. And I hope we don't take 10 years to, to see you. <laughs> All right, that's a promise. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, this is Elisabetta, this is uh, She at Work. Bye. <laughs>